so thankful for what God is doing in this area. I'm so thankful. You know, and it's not just that what God is doing, uh, uh, th like through us specifically, but in the connections that he makes with all of us. Amen? And we have to remember that, that, that what God wants to do, it, it really does exceed us. It, it really is beyond, it's beyond our abilities. But we need to get to a place where we just trust him to allow him to work. Amen? That we trust him to, uh, we allow him to do what he wants to do within us. And the best way that we, the best place we'll find that is we yield to him. Amen? Yes. Uh, you know, this was on my heart. This came to me this afternoon and I wanted to share it with you. And that's it. God always, this, these words came to me and I, I, I think I spoke them out, but it's, it's true for my life. I believe it will apply to yours. God always comes through for me because he loves me. I see it come to pass because I trust in him. See, God will always come through for us because, just because he loves us. There's no, no qualification for what God has done because he's already done everything. God isn't waiting for you to, to be perfect. He's not wait, waiting for you to be able. He's not even waiting for you to be ready. He just wants you to trust him for it. And if you can simply trust God, like this is the answer to a million and one questions. This is an answer to every trial. If you can learn to trust God, if you can just learn to rely on him for all things, he will always show himself faithful. He will always come through. And he comes through not because you have been uh, faithful, but you will see it when you are faithful. Amen? And so that's what we, the way we need to approach God. We need to approach him with the understanding that he wants to do great things in our lives. That he wants to show himself strong in our lives. Praise the Lord. We've seen that even this week, and I think most of you know, but, you know, as, as, as people reach out to other people, and, we, you know, what, why do we come together? You know, we come together not because when we come together that you're all going to get specific direction every single time for everything you're going to do. But as we come together, what happens is God, God's strengthening, strengthening us through his word. Through the preaching of his word, through the, the ministering of his word, through the laying on of hands, through different things like that, God will strengthen his people. And that's exactly what we're called to do. And then we take that out into the world and do with it whatever God would lead us to do. Sometimes there'll be things that are connected to the church, and as we find out, many times it'll be things that have nothing to do with the church. But praise the Lord that God will do that in us. Amen? Praise the Lord that he will help us. Glory to God. I'm not so foolish to think that we are the end-all, be-all to everything. In fact, God has humbled me enough to realize that really I have no, no, uh, I have no real part to play in anything other than the part that he's given me to play. And because he's given me the part to play, I can take no credit for it. I just, if I walk it out, praise the Lord, I did something, I did something pleasing to him. I did something right. But I've just played a part in a, in a much bigger purpose. Amen. And the same thing goes for you. So we don't, we, you know, around here we really try, or I try anyways, really not to take credit for anything other than to just say that, you know, we're trying to follow God the best that we can. And if we do that, God will do great and wonderful things around us. You know, the thing is, is God brings people together. He brings them together because he, he likes his family. He likes strength, and, and that strength is proven in the family as they come together. Amen? Amen? Praise the Lord. And this will lead me into tonight's message, which is called, What God Grows. Uh, and there's just some things on my heart to help, you know, to help us see some things. You know, so often as we look at what, uh, as we look at, excuse me, as we look at life, 
as we look at what we do, you know, we think so many things, it's so easy to think that the mundane things, the day in, day out, you know, mothers probably especially know what I'm talking about here. You know, it seems like not anything great is happening day in and day out. You're changing diapers and you're, you know, you're cleaning up messes and you're, 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 you're running around after a little one, picking up after them and doing all the things that you do and you cook dinners or meals or whatever and you know, and, and, and fathers do that as well. But, you know, you, you, you see that day to day, it just doesn't seem like we're accomplishing much, does it? You know, when you, you, you kind of see this a lot if you work, if you work a full-time job, you know, you, you go in and if you just got paid for an hour, well, it doesn't seem like it's going to do very much when you need a house and when you need a car, when you need uh, gas and when you need food and you need all these things. But when you look at all those hours added up over a year, it makes a, it makes a great thing, right? But it takes a whole year to get there. And, you know, the same thing is with the things of God is the things uh, that God does in us. You know, we don't see all the fruit up once, but that up at once, but that shouldn't discourage us. It shouldn't discourage us because we, we don't see everything we want to see at first. What should encourage us, uh, encourage us is knowing whether or not we're in God's plan. And if we know that we're in God's plan then he's the one that's going to bring about the fruit. Amen? And so we're going to get into this here tonight. We're just going to start over there in, in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. Now, in case you didn't know about the scripture, the scripture does mean a lot to me personally as connected to this work because it was one day, um, you know, early on when we were still at the hotel, I was, uh, I, I, you know, what we did back then was real interesting. We did everything we knew to do. To plan a church, you know, we were going in and out. And, I, and, and surely, if you had asked me back then, I thought by, by now our church would act, be absolutely packed and that we would be, you know, seated, uh, seating, uh, maybe even having full services, maybe even having, uh, you know, uh, a full-time pastor being, uh, you, you, know, uh, you, you know, running this. It could be here every day and, and so on and so forth. And, and all these things, you know, I, I had a lot of ideas of what things could be. And we would, you know, but we knew that there was laboring, you know, because with every work, there's a labor that's involved. You know, if you look at a field that's out there that's got crops growing in it in the middle of summer, you know that that field didn't just get there. Those crops didn't just get there. Somebody had to plow and till the ground, and sometimes they have to fertilize the ground, and then they have to plant the seed, and then they have to wait. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of these principles. But as, as we were, um, you know, as we were coming down here, we did everything we knew to do. We, we, would, we would come down and we would visit stores. We would just drive down here. Actually, uh, in the first few years, I think every Saturday before service, every Saturday morning, we came down here and ate breakfast somewhere and spent a little time in the town. Then we drove all the way back home. And then we drove all the way back again for service later on in the evening. And we did this Saturday after Saturday after Saturday, you know, and we talked to people, and yet we didn't see much growth. We didn't see a lot of people coming in at that time. We'd see people here and there, but not a ton of people. And, 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 and you know, I would, I would pray about it. Lord, what am I doing? Am I doing enough? Am I doing what's right? Uh, well, w one night before service, as I usually did, I went out, uh, out in the, the vestibule or underneath the, the little carport there in front of the hotel, and I started, you know, praying for the service and just praying for the work as I normally do. And, uh, and, and, and God gave me this scripture here. And it's 1 Corinthians uh, 3, chapter 3, verse 6. And it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. And what the Lord showed me in this was that my job is to do my job. 
that I have a part to play in the greater picture, but I also, there's parts that I don't play. Now we see here, uh, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but God bring the increase. You know, one person isn't going to do everything. One person may plant, another person may water. Still another person might come along and fertilize it. But how many know that no matter what job we're given, one thing we can't do is cause the increase? You know, a farmer knows this. He can do everything he can do to make a, uh, to make a, a, a crop grow and produce as much as it possibly can. But one thing a farmer knows is that he can't go out there. He's not going to get it to grow any faster by going out there and tugging on it. He's not going to go out there uh, and get it growing any faster by talking to it just right. He's not going to go out there and get it, uh, if he could give, add extra fertilizer to it. And he's not really going to get it come any faster, amen? You know, some fertilizers may get you a little bit faster. And, you know, some seed has been genetically modified to, to produce things quicker or produce things more often. And, and I get all that. But still, the increase only comes through the Lord. The only reason those things are even possible is because God has enabled them to be so. Well, the same thing goes with the local church, but the same thing goes with our lives individually. How many know that a, a local church is just made up of people? And the people that come, whether it's just a few or whether it's many, many few, glory to God, uh, uh, whatever that's worked, uh, made up of, each person has a part to play. Each person has things that they're called to do. Each person God wants to have a relationship with. Each one God is going to lead them for things to do in the local church, but also things to do beyond the local church. And a lot of those things, as I've found in my life, in case you didn't know, are not things that you're going to be able to do. A lot of those things are not things that you're going to feel equipped to do. A lot of those things aren't things that you're going to even feel like you should do. Uh, there's many times where I wake up and I think, man, I don't feel very pastoral today. There's many times where I come to the pulpit and I think, you know what, I, 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 I just don't even feel like I can. But see, none of that matters if we know who the one that cause, calls us is. Because when God has called us, he hasn't called us because of what we're able to do. He hasn't called us because of how good we are. He hasn't called us because of how talented we are. He hasn't called us because of what name we have. He hasn't called us because of what family line we descended from or what, you know, what, what our ethnic background is. God doesn't care about any of that. Because all of those things, they can be, while they can be used, none of those things causes the growth. It's God who causes the growth. Now, God likes to use willing vessels. He likes to use people who come together and, and want to be used. This is a, a, a very awesome thing that we see in the scripture. We understand that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those are the ones that will be filled. Those are the ones who will have that hunger and that thirst satisfied. And so if you want God to do more in your life, then you just need to hunger and thirst for the right things. And as you do so, God will fill those things. Be assured that God will fill the things that lack. When you hunger and thirst for the right things. God wants to. It's his desire to. God desires to move in our lives. He desires to show himself strong in our lives. And the reason he does is because he gets the glory when he takes vessels that are unable, when he takes vessels that are weak, when he takes vessels that really don't even want to, to tell you the truth, but they're just willing to. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever noticed that there's been times that maybe you come into church and you just, maybe you don't even feel like coming. Maybe you just don't even want to be there. But you came anyways. 
And see, that's what matters. Maybe there's lots of times where we don't feel like doing it. Just like a mother probably doesn't feel like getting up in the middle of the night when she's only had an hour of sleep and the baby is up for the fifth or sixth or seventh or tenth or hundredth time and or the baby just doesn't want to sleep then. But the mom gets up anyways. Why? Because she knows that she needs to. She knows it's required. But she knows that good comes out of that other, on the other side. There's no mother that, that really is shocked uh, that if their children have been raised well, they're not shocked that they start doing good things in life. Amen? And I'm not saying that if a child has been raised well that they're going to necessarily do good things in life. Because there's also a side that a child has a choice. But what I'm saying is, is that when a mother has invested in a child, she, she knows, or a father invests in a child, they know that on the other side of things, that there can be things to look forward to, and that's why they do that investment. And see, really, our faith walk is just the same thing. As we walk this life of faith out, what we do is we expect God on the other side to produce something on, in it. Amen? Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so God wants to do things in us. He wants to do things here. He wants to continue to do things here. But so often we see the small things and we think, ah, oh, they're not big things. They're not happening fast enough or they're not happening great enough. Do you realize that one person can be used to change the entire world? Jesus proved that. One person, anointed by God, can change the entire world. So certainly a group of people, and we have a nice group here, can change a place like Corey, Pennsylvania. Or a place, or any of the surrounding areas. You know, when I speak of Cory, of course, I speak, I'm, I'm not just talking about Cory. I'm talking about the region, the area. Cory being the biggest, or the kind of the hub of it, and then all the other areas around it. But, you know, uh, you know, and a platform will reach what it'll reach. You know, every platform, you know, you put up cell phone towers, and the cell phone towers, uh, tower expands an area. And then that's kind of what this church is. It's a cell phone tower in Cory, Pennsylvania. Yeah that reaches as far as God wants it to reach. Amen? Praise the Lord. But one planted, one watered, God causes the growth. Now, if you're growing corn or you're growing an oak tree, you get different, uh, a different speed in which the, the two will come to pass. <clears throat> now, here's the interesting thing. Though an oak tree might be more valuable in a lot of respects, it's not if what you need is corn. If you're hungry, the oak tree isn't going to do much for you. Amen? And so even though it took more time and it produces what it produces, the thing that's planted is, you know, whatever, it produces what it's supposed to produce in the time that it's supposed to. And, you know, one of the things that the Lord, and really this, this message is about this work, but it's about this work in a bigger sense than what, what I've ever preached about this work before. Uh, in the sense that when I've talked about this work, I've talked about what this work will do. But, but really what I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on here tonight is not just what this work will do, but what those who are connected to this work will do. The things that God wants to do in you and, and to believe God for that, to trust him for that, to be okay with him working that out in your life. And some of those things may happen, may happen quickly and some of those things may happen slowly. You know, last week, as many of you remember, I was, I, I, I was led to pray for a gentleman. Uh, you know, I was led to pray for a gentleman, specific things, and I prayed, uh, I did so faithfully in the sense that I, I stepped out in faith and prayed, uh, prayed because I believed I was supposed to, but when I was doing it, I didn't have much faith or I didn't feel very faithful. 
I didn't expect that there would be a harvest so quickly, and yet that's exactly what happened. It came to pass just as we prayed, but, uh, and even more so. But the, the, the amazing thing and the thing that I learned about this is that, but I can't make that happen. God causes the increase. As we pray, as we do things, we don't do so because we expect things to happen the way that we say that they should happen or that we expect them to happen in the timing that we insist that they happen, but that God causes the increase in the right timing, that God brings those things to pass in the right. Do you know, under, sometimes the trials that we go through, sometimes the things we go through are because we have to see something and not because uh, it's, uh, the trial just needs the end, to end. Sometimes the testing of our faith, whether it be finances, whether it be walking things out in our flesh, whether it be just, just trying to learn something or overcoming a certain hurdle, some of these things God wants to bring us through because if he brings us through it, on the other side, he's grown something, he's, he's put something in you that can't be taken away. See, the things that God builds in a person, the devil can't rob from them if God has built it. And that's why we allow God to build things in us, even in the hard places, in the slow times, in the times where it doesn't seem like a lot, in the times where it doesn't seem to come to pass. We just stay with God when we know it's God. And when we don't, of course we don't. Amen? But the, the, the decision is completely up to us. Turn with me to Mark. Mark 4. You know, I was talking with Reverend Rich today. Um, we've been talking, been trying to talk every Saturday morning for about, we, uh, last week we got in a prayer, this week we didn't have time to do both. But um, as we were talking, this scripture came about, and that's really where the basis from this message, I kind of was thinking I was going in a different direction, but um, you know, when, when he talked about the scripture, and the scripture came about, you know, the Lord stirred something on the inside of me. And this is what I love. I, I, I think this can be so useful. I love sharing this, especially because this is how God uses me. But I believe he uses a lot of people this way. A lot of times, the thing God births in us is birthed just in a little stirring. It's just like a little bit, you know, somebody will say something, or maybe they'll quote a scripture, or maybe whatever, just uh, however, something. Maybe it'll be words, and then all of a sudden, I, it's kind of like uh, uh, when I was a kid, we had these... Uh, we had these little, these toys. They, I guess they'd be like a top. And they had this little uh, kind of sawtooth edge plastic strip, almost like a zip tie, but a little more pronounced uh, sawtooth edge. And you'd put it in there, right? And then you'd, you'd pull it out really fast. And so when you pulled it out really fast, that thing would just go like that. It would kind of, you know what I mean? And that's kind of like how I see things in my spirit sometimes. And sometimes it's not really intense, but it's, it always seems to be just like that. It's like out of here, something, all of a sudden, something, somebody will say something, maybe I'll say something, and then all of a sudden it's just like a whoop, and it just goes out like that. You know what I mean? And it's like that's, that's the picture I get anyways. And uh, do I really feel it like that? I, I feel it, but not feel it. Like, it's not like, you know, if I can touch something and I can feel it. It's not like that, but I, I sense it, you know. And that's what it's like. It's like that, that little, zzz, a little spin coming, on the outside, coming out of me. And, 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 and I've noticed so often that that's the birthing of something that God wants to do. 
Sometimes it's just a message that's like that. Sometimes it's, it's a whole series of messages. Sometimes it's, it's, it's going to, uh, you know, Scandinavia and Norway, Sweden and Finland and then Spain. You know what I mean? Sometimes that's how uh, things like that come about. But, but that, it, it God always uses that. And that's exactly what happened as the scripture was talked about. And, you know, in, 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 in relation to the things that are going on in the church, the things that God is building in us individually, it just, I just seemed right to go here and to, to preach a message. And of course, he gave the rest of the message as well. So Mark, over there in Mark 4 and verse 26, we'll go through verse 29, and it says here, it's a parable of the seed. It says, And he was saying, The kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. Now, Many of you, or some of you may remember, it wasn't too long ago, within a few years ago, actually it was a little while ago, I guess now, a few years ago, that I had some people come up front, and I, and I spoke over them prophetically, and laid hands on them, and I say, said that the Lord, the Lord has showed me that you are seed for what God is doing here, amen? And even as we sit here tonight, only one of those seeds is currently present. That doesn't mean the other ones never will be again, but just currently, amen, that, there's one seed present here tonight. Um, now, there's more than one for people that are on live stream. There's more than one person here tonight. Not that that even matters. But uh, I, I'm saying that because I am speaking to a, a, a group here. But, you know, the, the, the Bible talks a lot about seed. And seed is something that God wants to bring about. Now, of course, if you take the seed and you scatter it, and then you go dig it up, that seed isn't ever going to produce anything. But seed that is planted and seed that is given the right amount of time, the right amount of sun, the right amount of nourishment, is going to grow into a harvest. Hallelujah. Now, that harvest isn't always what we think it's going to be. That harvest doesn't always look the way. So we have to, we have to, be, uh, we have to trust God that he's going to grow the harvest he wants out of it. Amen. But I've seen that seed expand even as we, again, as we sit here tonight. That seed has already produced more fruit even in this church. Glory to God. And so the same amount of seed uh, that was planted, there's still, even though that some of the seed hasn't produced anything, and some of it's produced a little, and some of it's produced more. But it's at least produced what it ha has had. Now, why am I talking about all this? Why am I sharing all this? Because I just like to point out the truth that God is doing something. He's producing more all the time. But it takes time for him to produce more. And why does it take time? It takes time because the seed needs time. Amen? So the king, he was saying that the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and it grows. How he himself does not know how. I don't know how God's going to do anything. I don't know how he's going to make uh, something out of the mess that we call our lives. Amen? I mean, do you ever look at your life and you think, man, I'm such a mess? You ever feel that way? You know, and I know that doesn't sound like a really great faith statement, does it? Does it sound uh, uh, great? No, it, it really is a great faith statement, and I'll tell you how. Because it's not faith to ignore the truth. It's not faith to look at something that is a mess and say it's not a mess, and hoping that it'll just clean itself up. That's not faith at all. Faith is looking at the mess and saying God can do something with it. Why? Because he's a mess cleaner upper. That's his job. That's what he does. Faith is not looking at the seed and saying the seed isn't producing anything. Yeah. 
Faith is looking at the seed and saying God can do something with the seed. Why? Because he's the one that causes growth. And so that's how we look at our lives. That's how we have to look at our lives, no matter where our lives at. Even if somebody were to walk through the doors right now who had never been in church before, if they came in here, if there's somebody online, I don't know who's online, if anyone is at all, but if there's somebody online who's watching and they've never heard any of this stuff before, it does not matter. God can do something with that seed. And he's waiting, he's willing, he's ready to do something with that seed. And so we have to allow God to go through the process. We have to allow the process to happen. As it happens, God will deliver things, you know. He will deliver uh, the, the things in the right timing. And sometimes there will be resistance against those things. We don't need to know how God is going to do it. We just need to know that he will do it. Because when we know, and I'll tell you why we need to know that he will do it. Because people that don't think or don't know that God will, they won't, they won't move when God says. They'll hesitate and they'll, they'll stop because they'll be like, well, what's God doing anyways? But someone who knows that God will, when God moves upon them, they'll step out and do stupid stuff. They'll step out and do things that make no sense whatsoever. They'll step out and do things that everybody around them will say, hey, that's absolutely foolish. But see, when you're walking on water, people are going to change their tune. And that's the point. It's not that we have to go walk on water. I don't want you to go try. Amen. Unless you need a bath or something, to go, go ahead and try to walk on water because you will get wet. Amen. But, you know, as God leads us, as he directs us, he wants people to, to not even think about how much they can or how much they're able. You know, one of the things that the Lord's been, I was telling my brother Jeff just before service about this, something that God has been just drilling into my heart is to, to pray for people that will do me no good. Do you know what I mean? To pray for people that will be no benefit to my life. Pray for God to bring in people that will do nothing in the church. That will help in no way. They will never give financially. They will never give of their time. They will come in, pray for people that will come in, get saved, and do nothing else. Now, I understand that there's, you know, we should and we should encourage people. But the point in praying this is not that we just want uh, a bunch of people that are being lazy and won't do anything. It's because God wants me to reach for anybody regardless. It doesn't matter. He wants me to step out and have no agenda in why I reach somebody because they can make my life better or they can make even the church, even the work of God better because it's not up to me whether or not they make the work of God better. It's up to me to present the truth to people and let God deal with their hearts and then when God deals with their hearts, they will either grow or they won't grow. That's up to them. That's between them and God. But God wants me to just get, just to, just to trust him to bring in or to bring to us as many people and some of the people maybe I'll never meet. Maybe some of the people just by the things that you've been taught you will take out there in the world and you will you will win people to Jesus that will never come to this church maybe they're just like I want to now that doesn't mean we shouldn't invite people to this church but maybe there'll be people they'll be in other churches because we did it praise the Lord what harvest are we looking for See, I don't, I, I've learned as God has taken me through some of these hard times, and I've had some hard times, especially in the past few years, I've had hard times when I've considered growth, when I've considered, you know, increase, when I've considered ability, just ability to do things. And God reminds me over and over and over, he says, are those things your, your increase? Are those things your supply? Because if my supply is in you, my supply is wrong. It's misguided. Because you will never provide for me what I need. And if your supply is in me, your supply is misguided because I will never provide what you're needed. 
But if our supply is in the Lord, if we truly look to him and say, Lord, I, like it doesn't matter. Like the, Elijah sat by the brook of Cherith and as the, as, as the not angels, the ravens, the birds flew in meat. The birds did. It didn't matter. He didn't question God about his methods. He didn't question God about his ability. He sat there knowing that he would be produced or be provided. And that's exactly how we're to, to approach this life. We are, we are to approach this life as faith people, as people that just trust God. God, if you've called me to it, you will, you will provide it. You will absolutely do what you need to do. You know what? That doesn't just come in financial provision. How about when God says, I want you to speak to somebody? You say, I don't have any words. I don't need you to have words. Trust my words. Amen? Amen? It doesn't matter who we are. I'm the least likely person to preach a message. And yet I'm the most capable of preaching the message tonight. Why? Because God is working through me. God is working in me. He's producing something. This has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with what I did or what I don't do, except for the fact that, you know, we do have to feed ourselves on the word. We do have to be, there has to be a certain amount of willingness. But with that basic will, willingness, God can increase that and make something really great out of it. And I'm not saying that this message is great. I'm not saying that what I'm doing is great. But I'm saying that he is at least working us to that goal. Amen? Praise the Lord. And it will always be beyond us. But you don't know how he produces it. Uh, verse 28, it says, The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. <clears throat> but when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And the reason we're looking at these scriptures today is because what it says there in verse 28. The soil produces by itself. Or the crop, uh, the, the, yeah, the soil produces the crops by itself. But first there's the blade. The blade doesn't do much good. Amen? Amen? Then there's the head. And the head, although it's exciting to see the head appear on the blade, still isn't feeding anybody. It still isn't making bread. Praise the Lord. But then the mature grain in the head. See, we, we're, so often we're trying to, we're trying to skip from, from the soil, we're trying to skip from the seed to the, full, the mature grain so that we can harvest. And we're missing God in the process. God wants us to walk through this life just trusting him. Do you know if God sent you randomly, if God did, I said, if God sent you randomly to walk from one town to the next and never talk to another living soul the rest of your life, you would be fruitful in the work that God has called you to do. Now, I don't believe God's going to do that. But the point that I'm trying to make is, is this. Whatever God has called us to is all that matters. It doesn't matter what we do with it. And it doesn't matter what it looks like in the process. All that matters is what God is producing in the whole thing. You know, in doing this, I was thinking about this, this project one time that I was doing for my brother. A, a buddy of mine and I were, were uh, hired by my brother to put a, a pretty a nice addition onto his house. What we were doing is we were putting a really nice big uh, uh, dining room, which is actually now my mom's house, and a big dining room off the, off the end of the house, and then we were putting a big two-car garage off of it. Yeah. 
And I remember in this process, you know, we, we labored and, you know, we did every, every aspect of it. We, from, from, the, from the foundation, digging the foundation. I mean, I was running around on a bobcat and he had, my buddy had an excavator and we dug out around that and I was, he was digging things out and I was moving things in and that's what we did. And then, then after that, you know, I, I, I think we, we uh, not, not I think, I, we I got down into the hole and we formed up forms for the, uh, you know, for the, the, the footer, for the foundation and stuff like that. And then um, I, uh, I can't remember if it's block, is it a block foundation? We didn't lay the block. Somebody else did that. But we, uh, but we have laid block together, so I had at least done that before. And then we built, uh, you know, we put the, 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 we started putting the studs up and building the walls. And then we got the studs up, and then one day we were putting the trusses up. And, you know, we're spending all this time and all this work, and, and then we sheet the, the building and get it all closed in and then get it, you know, dried in, as they call it, so, you know, if it rains and stuff like that. And then I remember at one point we had we gotten all the way towards the end of the project, and one day we came in there, and it was kind of a light day, and we, we hung drywall. And the day of hanging drywall, you know, was just a couple hours long. And uh, I can't even remember who it was, but somebody came in and said, wow, look at all the work that you guys got done today. And I don't even know if I was working on it at that stage, but I remember it coming to pass or if I was there at that point. But I remember that saying, and that thing has been said so many times, I've heard it many times. Look how much work got done in here today. And you know, it was a day that was taken real easy. Hanging the drywall with a couple guys in a small room doesn't take that long. You know, and, and, and they hung the drywall up, and, and I even think the labor, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as intensive as, as flipping up the trusses and doing all that, you know, digging, and all the other things that were done. But just because the drywall threw up and people came in and they saw the drywall up, it made it look like, man, look at, look at all the work that got done in one day. And they don't realize the thing that all the work for that drywall wasn't done that day. All the work for that drywall was done when we were digging the foundation, when we were putting the forms in to pour the footers, when we were, uh, you know, when the blocks were being laid, when the, uh, when the walls were being formed up. The, you can't put up drywall until all of this other stuff is in place. But yet it looks, when you see the end result, it looks like you look at it and you think, man, look at all the work that's got done. Oh, look at how far you guys got. But, but really all that took the longest part to get to that place. You know, and, and so often we, we, we don't realize that the seed that we've sown is much the same way. That there has to be an establishing first of the roots. You know, there's no stalk that didn't first have roots. And if it didn't have roots, the stalk isn't going to stand strong. You know, shallow, anything that's shallow rooted doesn't stay very long, does it? You know, the reason I, we, we, have this, we have this oak tree on our, in our woods right next to our property that is probably every bit of this, this big around. This is when my arms couldn't even wrap around half of it. It's an enormous oak tree. Been there for hundreds of years. This tree is probably at least 100 feet tall. Has an enormous crown that is above all the other crowns of all the other trees that stand around it. And, he, uh, and just yesterday, I was out in my yard and I was, I was mulching around our property. You know, just around the, right around the house there. And I remember the wind, wind was blowing, and I didn't even think about this until just a second or remember it. But as the wind was blowing, I happened to look up. It was a fairly nice, uh, a fairly nice 
point, or maybe it was two days ago when I was mulching, but it doesn't matter. But it was a fairly nice day when I was doing it. Yeah, it must have been two days ago because yesterday wasn't very nice. But I, I, I was looking up at this tree and I saw these, I saw just the tips of this, this oak tree, you know, uh, like moving in the wind, moving back and forth. And we've had some pretty wicked uh, uh, wind storms up there on the hill in where we live in Mayville. And, you know, the, the thing I think about every time I see that moving like that, as I think about the, the trunk that is coming down that supports that, but then even more so I think about the roots that go deep into the ground, the roots that no matter how strong the wind blows, those roots stay firmly rooted into the ground. And they both feed that tree, they supply that tree, and strengthen that tree. And the same thing is for us. If we have good rooting, if we have a good footing, then we've got a constant supply coming to us. Let the tree grow. Let it grow. Let God do in you. Let God do through you what he wants to do as he funds. But just know that the supply isn't you. You don't cause the increase. You don't cause the growth. God causes the growth. You don't even cause the growth in your own life unless you're eating donuts. Amen? Praise the Lord. Are you eating donuts? I, I, I learned this in my life. Can't eat donuts all the time like I want to. Because when I eat donuts all the time, I cause growth, but not the right kind of growth. But godly growth. Hallelujah. Godly growth. It, that's the thing that changes. Allow God to build it, but trust him as he's building it. Just because you don't see everything the way you want to see it yet. Trust that God's doing it. Those things that are deep in your heart, you know what those are like? Those are like the DNA that's in the seed that nobody can see. You could talk about it, but nobody's going to see it the way that you got it. You know it. You know nobody is going to get what God has put in your heart. Nobody's going to understand it. And the reason nobody's going to understand it is because he didn't put it in their heart. He put it in your heart. And as you allow God to take that DNA and grow it, when it comes to fruition, it will produce what it was intended to produce. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed on the soil. The seed that I'm casting right now, the seed of growth, I'm casting out here and, and you're receiving it. The soil of your heart is receiving the seed that's being planted here today. And if you allow that to grow, there's no end to what God will do. And what I mean by that is it doesn't mean that you will do everything. It means you will do exactly all that you're supposed to. You will produce exactly what it is that God wants to produce in you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, you know, in, in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, now this is when they were looking for the new king, right? And they were looking through, uh, looking through the children. Of course, they, we know that they got to King David, but, but, but the, the point is Samuel was looking here, and he's looking at all the sons is it, of Jesse, if I, if I got that correct. Is it all, all the sons of Jesse, he's looking at them, and he's going down through the list. He's like, is this one good? Is this one good? Is this one good? And no, that's not the one. And then he gets to the last one and he says in his heart, he says, surely this must be the one, right? And then the Lord speaks to him. And I, and I thought that this was really pertinent to this message. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature. He looked like a king. He looked like the one that should be used. He looked like the one that would be able, the one who could carry it, the one who could do exactly what he had to do. Amen. He said, don't look at his appearance or the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For God sees, not as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. 
And the reason that we bring this about is not to say that we're not, we're not judging the heart of, of anybody here. But what I'm saying this is don't look at things the way, don't stop looking at things the way you look at them. Stop looking at things the way the world looks at them. Stop looking at things limited the way everybody around you wants to limit them. Even those closest to you. Go to the Lord and say, Father, I only want to see your plans the way that you, show, you see them. Show me the way you see. Amen? Praise the Lord. The question is never, is it big enough, able enough, or up to some preconceived standard in our minds? The question is, is it God or isn't it? And if it is, then run with it. If it isn't, leave it behind. It's that simple. You know, as we, as we bring our kids, as we bring our, especially our boys, bring, you know, Mark is, of course, in the world now on his own with his wife. Praise the Lord. And that's a wonderful thing, and he's doing well. Uh, still learning, but he's doing well. And Caleb, you know, we're getting to that place where we're sending him out into the world. This, uh, this is a thing that we encourage them on. Don't just do everything. Figure out what, what's God and what's not God, and then do that thing. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, you know, uh, I, we were, I was sitting with a, a, a mighty man of God this week. I had a real... A real uh, I was real blessed to be able to sit with somebody who's done some amazing things. And, and in the conversation, he said this. And my wife reminded me of it because I was able to record the conversation. And then my wife, uh, I, I let her listen to it later. It was a two-hour conversation uh, where he was just imparting into us. And, and what he said was this, and it was really good. He said, find out what God is doing and do that. I mean, when this man was asked, this man who is, he's just about to turn 90 years old, and I mean done amazing, been in ministry since he was in his early 20s, early, early 20s, like 20, 21, that, that place, and has seen amazing, he grew a church from 100 people to 600 people literally overnight, and when I mean overnight, I mean it was overnight, like one day it was 100, the next day it was 600. And that was because he followed the Lord and he did what God showed him to do. And in asking him and questioning him uh, about, you know, what kind of advice would you give young ministers? What kind of advice would you get those who are coming up behind you? And this is exactly what he said. Find out what God is doing and do it. It's that simple. It's, it's the easiest thing in the world, but it takes of us. This is what really what crucifying our flesh is all about. Is that we say, Lord, I just want what you want. I just want to see as you see. I just want to do as you want me to do. I, I don't care to do it any other way. And if you can truly get to that point and keep yourself in that place, God will start revealing things to you. It will start becoming clear. They'll start being those little zing moments that will come out of your spirit and you will know what to do. You will know what to say. You will know where to go. You will know where to be effective. Amen. And when you do that, when you allow God to do that in you, that's exactly what you are. You're effective. You're producing now what God has intended you to produce. God isn't waiting for your ability. He's waiting for your willingness. You know, in willingness, I found this. I know some people preach it otherwise, and I'm not coming down on them. But it's not, I don't even think it's necessarily about the, the willingness in the sense that, okay, I want to do this. I got my will in it. And, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm sitting there saying the right things like, oh, yes, I'm, I, I'm ready to do it now, God. Because I've seen plenty of people in the Bible that were used that weren't really ready to do it. You know, when Jesus was going to the cross, he wasn't really ready for it because he said, Lord, if there's any other way, let's do it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
Praise the Lord. There's plenty of times where God was wanting to do something on the earth and people, uh, we were having this conversation in the back, in, in my office beforehand about Moses. Moses kept saying, he's like, Lord would tell him to do something. He said, I can't do that. Where was his willingness? He said, Lord, I can't do that. God said, no, you can't, you don't understand. You can do that. Moses said, I can't do that. So God had to do things all differently. He had to bring in Aaron to the picture to get him to do what Moses wouldn't do. Right? I didn't plan on doing it. Thank you, Reverend Josh, for that information, by the way. Amen? But it's truth. Is it not? There's not... I mean, so often we look at what we think we're able to do. Listen, you are able to do exactly what God has called you to do. Even if you're not able, you're able. You have the ability. You have the power. Because it's not you who's doing it. And if you're still focused on the fact you can't do it, it means you're still focused on your power, which means you're still not focused on Him. You still have never entered into that place of faith, or at least you're not in that situation. God just needs your willingness, meaning, okay, God, I'll do it. I might not want to. I might not feel like it. I might not be even uh, sometimes the best attitude about it, but I'm willing to do this. Amen. Glory to God. See, too often we think, well, and, and again, I, I get the concept. Like, listen, it's always better to be willing in the sense of it's always better to be wanting to do what God wants you to do. It's always good to have a good attitude. And when people preach about willingness and obedience, that's really what they're talking about. It's important to have the right attitude when you come into church, not come in here sneering at everybody because, yeah, things might get done, but you're just making a heck of a lot harder to get it done. You know, and that's no fun either. And so, of course, we need to get our attitude straight. And, and, yeah, we need to get in line. We need to not always be complaining because God doesn't like complaining either. Amen? But we need to understand that it exceeds who we are. It all does. Everything does. It all exceeds who we are. None of us are able. It doesn't matter. We don't need to be able. He does. God didn't need us to save the world. He needs us or wants us to participate in taking the knowledge of that salvation to the world. That's all he's requiring. You know, there's things along the way, but you know what's interesting that I've found is that when you walk what God asks you to walk out, he blesses you. You know, so many people, they're seeking after things in life, they don't realize if they just follow God, he'd bless them. God will bless you. He cares about, he, you know what, if you want something, God, God doesn't mind you having it. Now, when I say that, I mean, like, listen, if we're chasing after stuff that's wrong, but we don't have to think that just serving God means that you can't ever enjoy life anymore. I've never enjoyed life as much as I have since I've served God. I've also never had trials like I have since I've served God. But God pays me for the trials and the satisfaction of a joyful life. I say God pays me for the trials. Yeah, you don't think God will pay you for your trials? He asks you to do things that are hard? Absolutely. What, what, what do you want to do? You know, uh, a waitress who, who, who is, uh, or a waiter who's waiting a table, do you think they want to pick up your dirty plates? Do you think that they want to get you, come, go back and get the sauce that you could have asked for the time before when they asked you specifically, was there anything else I can get you? Or how about when they went and got, or when, when you saw them uh, asking for, uh, you know, bring or, or offering a refill to somebody at the table, and you knew you were going to need one just about the time that that waiter or waitress got back there, and yet you decided to wait until that extra time. Because, you know, it's all about you in that moment, and you don't realize that that waitress or waiter is also waiting on other tables. Do you think they want to do all that stuff? No. What do they want? They want the tip. Right? 
They're hoping that you'll see that their service was, uh, was, was uh, of such that it deserved, was deserving over and above what they were already getting, what they were already getting paid, right? And it's not wrong to tip. It's not wrong to think that way. The Bible tells us that you shall not muzzle the ox while it treads out the grain, and it goes on to tell us that it's not oxen that the Lord was speaking about when he said that. He was talking about those who labor for him. Those who labor. And where we don't muzzle the ox. In other words, we don't look at something somebody's doing and say, oh, you're laboring a lot. I want to make it harder on you. God isn't doing that either. God will bless you. He wants to bless you, but he wants your heart to be in his thing. What he's doing. What he's after. Glory to God. And that's when God gives, you know, the Bible talks about that he gives us the power to enjoy wealth. And, and there's people that take that too far and they say, well, see, God wants to make everybody rich. Well, that's not really what it's talking about. It's saying that when you get blessed, God gives you the ability to enjoy that blessing. Because you know something in the world, a lot of people are getting what's, what we would consider blessed, but they can't enjoy it. They try, but they, you know, there's people that are going, and say, that's, why, that's why you see movie stars and stuff like that. They get crazy amounts of money and go out there and do crazy, stupid things. And people are like, why would they do that? Do you understand there's a spiritual transaction that's going on in the, inside of them? What's happening is they don't have the character to, 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 to support all of that, that blessing that they have. And so they're doing crazy things with it because it's like they're just, they're, they're trying to get that, that thing that the Bible has promised to God. God's people. Do you know that God will bless you in such a way that even if you're in a place where you have nothing but you're in faith, just you'll be in fullness, the fullness of joy. Now that doesn't mean that God wants to keep people in, in poverty forever. I don't believe that's God's desire, God's will. But I was reading about these amazing men and women of God that came before us 200 years ago, 300 years ago, and some of these people did wonderful, huge things, and they never had enough for any one thing that God called them to do. But every time they needed it, enough showed up because they trusted him. They trusted him who brought the increase. They trusted him. See, if you know that it's God, then you know that it's supplied. And if you don't know that it's supplied, then you don't know that it's God. So you need to go back to square one. Find out if it's God. Find out what God is doing and then do it. Find out what God wants from you. And partake of it. Participate. It's that simple. Do you know, as I was laying there today in my chair, I was reclined in my chair after, you know, I was just kind of trying to rest and seek the Lord and I was praying some. And I'd gone through some periods this week where I had a lot of pressure on me. Some periods that were really quite overwhelming. I actually got to a place this week where I was ready to, where, where in my flesh, I was ready to quit. In fact, I think I quit about three or four times in one day. But you see that I haven't quit. You see that I'm still here. And what God was showing me in that was that it was like the sun was coming through the clouds. And literally it was, but that's not what he was showing me. Yeah, but it was, I was seeing it in my, like, uh, uh, about my life in the spirit. There'll be days when it's hard. There'll be days where you don't feel like you can press through. There'll be rainy days. There'll be wind-blowy days. There'll be cold days. Hallelujah. There'll be days of scorching heat. But rest assured, if you stay with God, the fruit comes. The day comes when you overcome. The day comes 
when the things that God has promised come to fruition, when you know it's God. And see, the thing is, is I, I, I don't know a lot in life, but I know I know, I know, I know God. I know what he's doing. And you know, sometimes I try to do the formulas that other people have taught me to do, and, and you want to do it this way, and you want to do it that way, and you want to make it look just like this, because this is successful. And you know what the Lord showed me about even that just today? You know what's successful? What he shows you to do. The formula, throw the formula out the window because the formula doesn't matter. The formula might get you part way, but sooner or later, it's going to be between you and God. You know, my pastor said this to me once, and I, I found that it's quite true. He said, God loves to bring us to a place where only, that's so far out there, only he can bring us back from it. That's what true faith is. You know, if you're somewhere where you haven't been brought to that place where you've thrown your hands up, where you've had options. If you've, been, if you've been at a place where you only have options, you've never been to a place that God really wants to do something great yet. God will bring you to a place that only he can bring you back from. And you know why he'll do that? Because he wants you so focused on him. He wants you so trusting in him that when you're at that place, you recognize and say, I truly I have nothing. I have nothing. I can do nothing. Not that he wants you to look at yourself and be like, oh, I'm, I'm worthless. That's not, the, that's not it at all. It's where your full assurance is in him. Praise the Lord. And you know what else I've found is that sometimes God will bring you to that place in one thing, and sometimes he'll bring you to that place in another thing too. Sometimes he'll bring you to that place multiple times in one session. You'll be like, ooh, you thought this was the edge of the limb, and he's like, no, I'll take you further. I'll take you even further. You know, and you get all the way out on the edge of the limb and it breaks and you fall into the, 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 the rapids below. Now there's a whole other thing to deal with. Oh, you, you survived the fall, but now you got the rapids. Amen? And then you did the rapids okay, but then there's a waterfall at the end. What do you do then? And then there's rocks in the rapids and there's all these other things. You see, you, God, God's okay with you because he knows what he can do. He's not afraid of what he can do. And that's exactly what he wants from all of us. He, he wants us to be not afraid of what he can do. He wants us to not care what we can do, but not be afraid of what he can do. Uh, turn with me to, to Philippians 2, and this is where we're going we're gonna to end this. Amen? <clears throat> Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. It says here, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as uh, in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Who's he talking about obeying here? He's not talking about obeying him. Because if he was, then he would also have to connect that with the, the salvation, which we know is not of Paul. It's not of anybody else. Our salvation is of Jesus Christ. When we obey, it's obeying him. Amen? So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who, who, who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. God is at work in you to will, even to be willing sometimes. Do you understand that? How many times I've prayed to the Lord, Lord, I'm not even willing right now, but I know I need to be, so I need you to help me with that. God's at work in us to will. We work out our own salvation. Each one of us is going to walk through the things that we walk through as we follow God, as we are faithful to him. When God says, go, you go. When God says, do, you do. And if it's God, there will be fruit to it. Amen? 
But as we, as, as we learn to trust in the Lord and submit to the, the, the plans that he has, submit to the way that he's ordained, as we learn to do that, God will bring that increase in our lives just as it needs to be. You know, the Holy Spirit is all about showing us the way. But remember this, that even Jesus himself was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led to the temptation. He was led to the trial because what God was going to prove, the Bible tells us that Jesus was perfected through the things that he suffered. He was perfected. He was made able for the greater work through the things that he suffered beforehand. Amen? Jesus wasn't perfected on the cross. Jesus was perfected before he went to the cross. Amen? All the way up into it. Amen? Praise the Lord. We can be, we can be fruitful. We can supply. We can, or be, we, can, we, we have a supply. We can be the things that God has supplied if we truly trust in him to do it. Amen?